Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. On today's show, the incredible Dr. Pole will be back from uh, Nat Geo Wild. I love that show. Yeah, he's That's a great show. He's a fun guy. This is his uh third time yeah, at least third time third or fourth time on animal radio and the, the thing that's really amazing about him is he has some upper body strength like you, you couldn't believe and that's the difference between a small animal vet and a large animal vet but only on one arm Hal. just on one arm really <laughs> they uh they use one arm well you know i'll let you, i'll leave it to the imagination there the, the big yeah, animal he vet. does all kinds of animals <laughs> he does he's uh from dogs to cats to all kinds of farm animals and he just threw out the pitch at uh some michigan baseball game and I'm thinking with his big old arms, that pitch must have <laughs> sailed right on through the air there. But we'll talk to him in just a couple of minutes, Dr. Pohl, or the incredible. you got to say, he, they wanted us to, to always call him the incredible Dr. Pohl. Incredible. They said, don't call him anything else. So he's on the way right here on Animal Radio. Also, Doc Halligan, she's going to be telling us about the new JFK uh, terminal. It's an animal ter- terminal at the uh, airport there. I think it's set to open next year. $48 million, 178,000 square feet. And uh, it's something incredible, probably the first in the country, if not the first in the world. But not the last, I'm sure, after this. She'll tell us all about that in just a couple of minutes. Right here on Animal Radio, Joey Volani, the dog father. What are you working on? We're going to be talking about rancid shampoo and how it could affect you. How it can affect your dog's skin and coat. So shampoo can get rancid, really? Yeah, it goes bad, just like milk curdles. Your shampoo goes bad. I did not know that. Uh-oh. More about that in just a couple of minutes. Lori Brooks, what are you working on over in the newsroom? Well, they are out with the latest results for the new crash test for crates and carriers. That's a lot of C words there. It is. <laughs> a lot of crates and carrier crash testing results to pass along to you. And I think, isn't Subaru involved with that? Aren't they stepping up to the plate with getting those results? Exactly, and uh, they do it with the Center for Pet Safety, but it, it, it is nice because they're talking specifically about which crates and carriers are safest for your pet while you're traveling. Mm, good to know. I'll stick around for that. Let's go to the phones first for your calls, directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download. Let's uh, go to which one? I'm sorry, they're all Line ringing two. this morning. Line two. That would be Vicky. Hi, Vicky. Hi. How are you? Just fine. How are y'all doing? Very good. How can we help good. you today? Yes, I wanted... Hi, Dr. Debbie. Hi. I wanted... I know you have heard this question a million times, but I have two cockers. One is two and one is three. And we do drive a truck for a living. And what is the best dog food to give them? Right now, I'm giving them rabbit and potato. Okay. Uh, Do they have any kind of health problems, skin disorders, anything like that? Well... They do want to do a little gnawing on their feet, but I tried to, uh, I thought maybe that might have been the chicken and some dog food I was giving them. Okay. Uh, you know how cockers are. <laughs> yeah, that's so, why I wondered when I heard you said rabbit. Um, that's a little bit more of an alternative potato. protein for, a lot of times we use, um, you know, we get away from some of the more common proteins if we have a pet. We're suspicious, suspicious of a food allergy. So rabbit kind of fits that bill, fish-based um, diets, things like that. Now, you know, I, I'm going to say, Vicki, I always have a problem in comparing a neck and neck, one food or the other, and say, which one's better for my pet? Because it is so hard to say, and there's no real controlled way that I can, can really answer that, nor could a, a nutritionist answer that. We can say some good 
traits that we would look for or what might work for your pet. Um, so that's kind of a hard thing. And I'm going to kind of hedge on the fence a little bit here. But I would say that you're in a little bit uh, different situation because you travel a lot. So what are some characteristics of food that you, that you find important with your lifestyle? Is a dry uh, food easier for you? Oh, uh, God, I don't know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, I would imagine if you if you traveled a lot, sometimes finding a dry food might be easier to store and to uh, serve for your pet traveling. Well, um, the other thing is I would say you want to have something that you're going to be able, if you cover a lot of uh, road uh, going from state to state, you're going to want to have a food that's going to be accessible and easily found at a lot of different pet stores in a lot of different areas. So. Um, there may be some really good boutique foods out there, organic foods, but if you can't find it in another state, it does little good in that you want to keep that diet consistent. Right, yes, so. yes, yes, right, yeah. Okay, well, I just, I didn't know. I just want to give them the best that I can give them, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, some, some other guidelines. Uh, you know, I know, Hal, in previous times we've put some, some tips on the website um, about how to pick out foods. Um, some basic things I like to do, and it, it, it helps a little. Um, we look to see if the, the food has been uh, approved by the AAFCO, which is a food control organization. doesn't mean everything, but if the food's gone through a feeding trial, that helps give me a little bit of benefit that I feel better about it. And that basically means that they fed it to dogs, made sure they don't get sick or no serious uh, nutritional problems develop. So that's important. And then I always like to look at the label and say, all right, here's the name of the manufacturer. The food is being made by these people. And then there's a phone number on the label. So if you have a problem with the food or a question, you can actually call the company direct. And that's very important in my book. Um, so I think that uh, if they make a food, they need to stand behind it, and you need to get a, a real person there. So right. I'd look okay, for that well, as well. I try to leave out the corn and the wheat gluten and all that kind of crap out of it. So I didn't know. Corn and wheat isn't bad. It's not bad? It's not bad for the average pet. Yeah, no, it's not bad for the average pet. But if your dogs, and being Cocker Spaniels, if they have skin or allergy problems, you know, maybe they have a food allergy or sensitivity to food or certain proteins. So that's possible. That's possible your pets might not do well with a grain-based diet. But... I hate to have the go across the airways that Dr. Debbie says that uh, corn or oh, wheat is a bad thing because it's right. it's not yes, in general. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, listen. Thank you so much, Vicky. Thank you for calling. Oh, By the way, I wanted to tell you that there. So much. I listen every Saturday morning. Oh, good. Thank you. So do I. Thank you. I just Bye-bye. started. Thank you, Dr. Debbie. <laughs> I just found out about it myself, in fact, and I just started listening. Uh, I wanted to mention that you can head on over to AnimalRadio.com. We have more information on picking a pet food over there. Ingredients you might want to look for. Uh, unbiased. There is names mentioned. They tell you all the names over there. Well, hello, Sammy. Hi. How are you? Doing good. How are you doing? I'm all right. Where are you? Uh, Severna Park, Maryland. I love Maryland. Maryland's just a beautiful place. Just a beautiful place. I've got Dr. Debbie right here. She can help you with uh, whatever ills your pet. Okay. Well, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. What can we do for you today? Well, I have three cats, and I applied Frontline to each one about a week ago. And the fleas are worse. Now, I had the front line around for a while because I haven't had to use it in about three years. Didn't have any problems with fleas. And okay. I'm, my question is, there's no expiration date that I can find. Does it go bad, and can I reapply it? 
And you know, there is no expiration date on Frontline. And, um, and that is a truth. So, as far as, as long as the package was intact, I wouldn't have necessarily a problem in using that. Now, a lot of times, after we apply Frontline or even some of the other types of flea control products, we can see some actual exaggerated activity of fleas. And uh, that's generally more af- right after we apply it, it kind of affects their their uh, immune system. It affects their um, uh, neurologic systems. So they can become really hyperactive and just kind of looking wacky. So a lot of people see a lot of flea activity shortly after we treat with frontline or, or comparable products. Um, now, if we have just, we're seeing a lot more fleas in general, then we might need to take some other approaches to um, not just relying on one single product and using more of a kind of a integrated approach to to fleas. So is, is it more that you're seeing a lot of these in number or just them moving a lot? Um, well, before I applied it, I used a flea comb on each cat and I found some flea dirt and a flea or two. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I applied it about a week ago and now there is a ton of flea dirt. One of my cats is starting to lose hair down uh, on her back in front of her tail and uh-huh. there was a there was a whole lot of flea dirt on her okay and, and there are more fleas and they're alive <laughs> i'm just concerned that i don't know i just didn't know if it went bad or not and you wanted to know if you could reapply too right yeah exactly oh, yeah. because the packet says you can't you know wait do not reapply for 30 days yeah, and that would be accurate. I would not want to reapply that. Now, something we might want to try is maybe more add in an oral flea component. And there's some different ones out there. There's one called Program. Um, generally, it's not the quickest kill, in my opinion, um, but there are definitely some other ones. There's one called Comfortus, and that one, um, actually, a lot of folks report some very quick kill times after that. So that might be something else to add in. And... Um, is there some kind of link that the fleas are more popular right now and you're seeing more of them? Eh, you, you might just be having some ebb and flow of different flea populations going on right now. So I would just make sure that we tackle this with another route. And flea combs are great to remove those individual fleas, but you'll go nuts if you've got a ton trying to remove each and every one of them. But it certainly can be helpful in just removing some of those adults from the hair coat. Yeah, and it does get the flea dirt, but it's, I mean, I can do it one day and two days later, do it again and mm. get the same amount. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would check with check with your veterinarian about what kind of oral flea um, products they have available, because every area might be a little different in some of their favorites. And, and I have vet friends in Indiana that will say, oh, gosh, you know, we don't use that product out here. We like a different one. And, you know, what works is great. And, and I won't kind of sneeze at that because everyone has their own favorites in their particular area. But I would definitely look into the oral ones. Mm. You know, Sammy, you said that uh, you haven't had trouble for the last few years and all of a sudden this year. It does seem like this year has been a big flea year across the country uh just seen a lot of reports you know it's funny you say that Hal. we have and and actually in the veterinary community it is widely reported that because of all the moisture in a lot of areas we have uh, not just fleas but ticks and other type of critters you know a lot of mosquitoes and risk with heartworm disease so it is on the rise definitely well this portion of animal radio is underwritten by red barn and during these uncertain times red barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives They're also grateful for their all-natural, long-lasting dog chews. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between those video chat sessions and lap sitting. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. 
Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Rouse on over to AnimalRadio.pet. Lori Brooks, what's coming up? Well, you know, there's all kinds of rescues out there. There's one type of rescue that says it's getting 20 calls a day on this type of animal that is being returned to a sanctuary or a shelter. Uh, we'll tell you what's overcrowding shelters coming up. You'll be surprised. I've, I've heard the story, and I can't tell you because Lori would scold me if I told you. <laughs> yes. Uh, it is uh, just a few days from Wacky Wednesday. If you haven't uploaded your Wacky Wednesday picture yet, do so. If you have a, if you don't have pictures of you being wacky with your pet or your wacky pet pictures, take some this weekend and post them this Wednesday because we have some big time prizes over at our Facebook page at Animal Radio this week. We have from Twiggo Tags. We have the Silencer Pocket. What this is is huh? it's one of those plastic thing that goes over your dog's tags so they don't jingle and make all oh. the noise that drives you crazy. Oh, that does. Some people take the tags off when your dog's in the house; they don't have to listen to it, and then they forget to put the tags on when they take them for a walk. But this will silence the tag, and they've also made it if your tag has special information, you can write it on the outside of this as well. If there's any you know medical or emergencies or allergies or anything, you can write it on the outside. Oh, great! And what I like about this is because when I go walking dogs. The tags, when they start making noise, they alert all the dogs in the neighborhood. Oh. And they're all waiting for us a block away to come by. And everybody starts barking. I think, God, if I could just walk by quietly, they wouldn't hear us. But they hear the tags a block away. So okay, this so this will help you you be stealth yeah, from through twig- the neighborhood. Twiggo tags. Okay, Twiggo tags. If you want to pick up on that this week, head on over to our Facebook page at Animal Radio. Uh, Coming up this hour in just a few minutes, Doc Halligan will tell us all about the brand new $48 million terminal, actually, at JFK Airport for animals. It's the uh, first air terminal for animals called the Ark, as in Noah's Ark. And she'll tell us about that that in a couple of minutes. Also next hour, the incredible Dr. Pohl from Nat Geo Wild will be joining us. Hey, Bob. Hello. How you doing? Good, yourself? Very good. Where are you? I'm calling from Yuma, Arizona. Yuma, beautiful Yuma, Arizona. You're on with Dr. Debbie. Hi, Dr. Well, Debbie. Hi there. Hey, uh, how are you doing today? The thing with my my dog, we got a we got a dog. We've had him for five years. We've got him as a puppy. He was both free and Australian Shepherd mix, but uh, I think uh, he's mixed with every kind of every kind of dog on the block. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a good guard dog. You know, he's good, great with the kids. You know, he. he he doesn't really like spending time inside the house. He stays mainly outside. But uh, okay. the thing I, the problem we got with him is he uh, urinates on, if he sees a wall, he tends to go urinate on it. Okay. Is this fella neutered? No, he's not. He's not neutered. Okay. Um, well, the, the, the reality of what we're dealing with then here is very likely driven by those hormones that are floating through his system. And in the dog world, urinating is a way of communicating. And he doesn't necessarily recognize that you guys aren't dogs. Um, and the urine 
in the house is his way of saying, hey, this is my domain, this is my crib, <laughs> and uh, it, it is not perceived in his mind as a negative behavior. So the real challenge is uh, how do you stop a dog that's not neutered from peeing in the house? You neuter him. <laughs> Uh, because we know that 70 to 80 percent of male dogs will stop uh, urine marking um, once they're neutered. There are some that don't, and some of that can be because they kind of get it in their head that this is a fun behavior, and they will repeat it just because they've learned that behavior. But um, I could certainly put you some good odds at fixing that problem by uh, taking care of those two little fellows between his legs. <laughs> I, I hate to butt in here, Doc, but uh, aren't there some other good reasons to get your pet spayed or neutered? Oh, uh, absolutely, Hal. And you always keep me on my game here. Um, but beyond just the behavioral-related issues, um, a dog that is neutered will have less problems health-wise with prostate-related issues, and it eliminates the risk of prostate um, some some uh, some prostate cancers and also testicular cancers. The other good thing is kind of along the behavioral uh, road is that it helps to avoid pets that might want to roam away off of their property, um, which puts them at uh, less risk for getting injured, uh, getting lost and never found. So yeah. behaviorally, there are additional benefits there. So yeah, there, uh, sounds there, there like a couple of times where he's, he's gone away from me. And, uh, I might go in the backyard, you know, he'll, he'll sneak through the door and, you know, he'll be gone. You know, I, I got to take off running after him or, you know. Yeah, I bet you that. I bet you that'll end if you uh, get that. Get him neutered. Yeah, he's gallivanting. He's he's like a a kid that just turned twenty one and he's hitting the bar scene. So yeah, I, I'd reel him in there. Uh, take care of that, uh, and that'll hopefully help all the way around with all of that. Hang in there. Good luck there, Bob. Thank you so much for your call. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Oh, what a beautiful ring. Is it a diamond? A sapphire? A cat? Pet owners are getting creative with pet cremation. While most owners go for the traditional grave in the backyard or a cremation urn, some owners are having their pets made into jewelry. Paperweights, crystals, and jewelry have all been created by Life Gem, a company which can turn a doggy into a diamond for about $2,000 to $25,000. There's also Florimorial, a company which makes soil that converts cremated ash into a planting medium to grow a memorial flower. Other owners opt to keep their pet's ashes in a thumb-sized urn so they can take it with them wherever they go. You can even get a huggable plush toy filled with your pet's ashes. It's all just a way of showing that dog is man's best friend, or maybe diamonds are a girl's best friend, or or maybe a little of both. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. 
Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. The latest crash test research on pet carriers in crates has been released. The Center for Pet Safety and Subaru, in fact, worked together on this with a NASA engineer, no less, as they created specially designed crash test dog dummies for this study. Fourteen products in all were tested, and the three that performed the best and were safest for your pets to ride in while you're traveling are the Gunner Kennels G1 Intermediate, the Pedigo 4 frame jet set carrier and the sleepy pod mobile pet bed with handy lock those are your three best carriers and crates for traveling in the car with to be crash worthy they say the researchers also said that some of the crates and carriers were not travel worthy at all and you know it really is great that this research is being done now because unlike consumer products that we humans use you know these pet products are not regulated at all pet shelters are being overcrowded in in many cases these days, of course, by dogs and cats, but also by pigs. Some people call them mini pigs. They are sold by unscrupulous breeders who tell their clients that the pigs are mini pigs, even teacup pigs. In one case, a woman who bought a so-called mini pig fed it exactly what the breeder instructed, and that was a half cup of food in the morning and one half cup of food at night. That's one cup a day. The breeder promised that the diet would keep the pig only 12 inches tall. But that piglet, you know, it's a pig. It's an animal. It's alive. It had a name. It was Hammond. And Hammond started then raiding the pantry and digging through the trash every night. Veterinarians told its owner that Hammond was behaving like this because he was starving. Well, apparently this is a common story these days. And it's happening all over the country, leaving thousands of pet pigs homeless and rescues packed with pigs. The Crunch, in fact, has led to many sanctuaries to now limit how many pigs they will accept or to stop taking them at all. One pet pig sanctuary in California says that, in fact, they get 20 calls a day from people who are trying to get rid of their pigs. The really sad part is that the North American Pot-Bellied Pig Association estimates that 90% of pigs adopted in the U.S. are later taken to a rescue or sanctuary. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. It's Animal Radio. We're celebrating our connection with our pets. And uh, in just a couple of seconds, we'll go back to those phones. But right now, we're going to visit with Kim Sill. Kim, has, uh, she's the actress and producer of a brand new flick called Saved in America, The Road to Shelter Hope. And, you know, there's some things that we've known, we've shared with you several times, uh, but she, she really stresses in this movie, there's a couple of little nasty secrets that maybe you do know or you don't know, but when you go to a pet store and you, you look at those cute pets in the uh, window or in the, the kennels or the cages there, most of the time, most of the time, those pets come from puppy mills. These are atrocious ways for animals to be raised in small containers. Oftentimes, these puppy mill dogs will have uh, all kinds of behavioral problems. That being said, there are a few stores like PetSmart that bring in adopted animals that don't come in through puppy mills. Anyway, Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about the movie. Okay, well, the movie is actually undercover footage as well as a lot of footage that I shot when I was protesting those pet shops that were selling mass-produced dogs. Um, I decided last year that I should put the film out there because uh, once I put the footage together, I realized, my gosh, 
some of the things that, you know, normal Americans, you would think that they would know, they really have no idea. A lot of it you just encapsulated in what you said about the pet shop puppies, but what they don't realize is that the mamas and daddies of those puppies are being used and, and mass-produced in a way that they never, ever get to see, you know, the light of day. They're in cages stacked upon each other. The USDA regulates this, and yet if, if we saw that, if, if, you, if you're, you know, the people that listen to this radio station saw that, they would not believe that that's where these beautiful little puppies are coming from, from these awful, awful mass-produced factory places. And this is all chronicled on your film, right? Yes. Now, is that a, a full-length feature film? Is it something we can see uh, anywhere? Can we find it online? How can we, we see that? I'm intrigued. I want to see what happens when you confront these people. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes. It's actually going to be uh, um, on DVD after it has its release. It, it may be on Netflix. I'll keep you posted on that. But it gets released at the Regency Theater. It'll be playing every day for a week. And on each day, uh, the, pr- the entire proceeds of what the ticket sales are will go to a different local rescue group. Um, every day, a different rescue group will get to benefit because they are the rescue groups that are out there. They're the ones that show up at those pet smarts and the pet code, bring the dogs out there, bring the cats so that people can see them, and then care for those animals and vet those animals. And those are the people that we, you know, in my film, I really want people to understand you should support those local animal groups that are helping the animals in your community. Um, a lot of the bigger organizations are going you know, to have a lot of money and can run those beautiful ads that you see on TV. But if they're spending money on ads, they're not spending it on animals. Yeah. And we also focus on that in the film. When somebody sends in $20 to the ASPCA or the American Humane Association or, or some of these big organizations like even Best Friends, $20 right there goes to soliciting you again for more donations. It doesn't go to the, the the people that are really pounding the pavement in the streets. And I always say, give local to your local shelters. Thank you. I mean, I feel like I'm singing to the choir when I'm singing to you. But, you know, <laughs> usually when you send that 60 cents a day or that $20 a month that you're talking about, they'll send you a hat and a T-shirt and an umbrella. And then you'll get their newsletter. Well, all of that costs money to produce. And then it costs money to send to you. And then, the, you know, the cost of the million-dollar ad that they just ran to get your attention. It's like people need to really value their dollars and see where their dollars are going. And I know animal people especially, we don't have a lot of money. Nope. Most of us, you know, are, are living, you know, on, on limited resources. And when we give money to animals, we want it to go to them. We want to make sure that it's going to them. So, like you, I am a, a proud singer of go to your local rescue groups, volunteer with them, see what they're doing with your dollars, and you'll start giving to them. You'll never give to Best Friends again. You'll never give to ASPCA. You won't give to the Humane Society or American Humane. None of them. Because they, they can afford to hold their own. They're, they're doing quite well. Yes, they are. And they're not rescuing the animals. You know, we've all seen those commercials that you're talking about on TV, and they are heartbreaking. And I am as hardcore activist for animals as you can get. And they those ads break my heart. So why am I going to set myself up for more heartbreak to go see a movie? Are you going to tell me, please, that Ooh, there's great a question. ending or some hope? Great. Well, you are not going to set yourself up for heartbreak because this is a 30-minute documentary, and I have left a lot on the floor. I have brought in 
heroes and people like you that are activists that are doing it. For, they're not even doing it for recognition. They're doing it to save animals. You're going to see stories about people that are saving animals and doing the right thing. The film also includes Pink and Caesar Milan and Dr. Phil and Kim Kardashian and Katherine Heigl who make appearances. How did you wrangle these guys in? Well, you know, I was lucky enough to be in Los Angeles and be in, in right places at right times. Um, when I planned the first Puppy Mill Awareness Day in 2010 for uh, Last Chance for Animals, I invited a lot of celebrities, and fortunately, Pink showed up. And she showed up um, just like a regular person, but with open arms wanting to help. So when I told her what I was doing for the documentary, she gave me uh, some really good statements about her feelings, about how she could use her celebrity to help animals. And so you'll see that in the film. Um, with Caesar, I met Caesar because I sent him some undercover footage of a puppy mill and some dogs that I wanted him to help me save. We are with Kim Sill. She's the actress and producer from Saved in America. Sort of an un- undercover film. There's a trailer. It's on YouTube. We'll put the link over at AnimalRadio.com. Kim, thank you so much for joining us. Check out the website, SavedInAmericaTheFilm.com. SavedInAmericaTheFilm.com. And, of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at Animal Radio. Hi, it's Alan Cable, and we're talking about dogs. I'm going to give you a little project. I want you to watch your dog for a week. His body language, the way he moves, his energy level. Is he calm and happy or wound up and manic? Watch your dog as much as you can for an entire week. Just observe your dog's behavior and then really think before you react. I'll give you an example. I was in the dog park just yesterday. A woman with a smaller dog is walking. Her dog barks at just about every single dog and just lays into this bigger dog. The bigger dog is calm and relaxed and pretty much just wants to say hi, do a little sniffing around, you know. You can observe the different energy. One dog, very nervous, very afraid, manic, anxious, fearful. The other dog, calm, relaxed, la-di-da. What do you think her response was? Well, she immediately snatches the dog up, is holding the dog, going, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Now, that would be the perfect thing to do if the dog were human, but it's a dog. So what do you think the dog gets from that? He's acting crazy and gets affection. So that tells him it's a good thing he's acting like that. She's reinforcing it. It also tells the dog, yes, there is something to be afraid of. And you're right to be afraid. Best thing to do since the dog's on a leash is just turn around and walk the other way. If you can't do that, you get out in front of the dog to show him you're in charge and you're going to protect him. You're the pack leader. This is assuming, of course, the dog that he's afraid of is mellow. You don't want to get in the middle of two insane dogs. Now, you also give your dog a correction to refocus his mind. little jolt of the leash, little hand signal, and you do it over and over again until the dog starts to understand that that behavior is the wrong behavior. When the dog is mellow, you say good dog. The more in charge you are, the more calm you are, the more calm your dog's gonna be. Dogs are like kids. They need boundaries, and you're the only one who can show them what they are. But you can't do it with words. You've got to do it with body language and corrections and a composed calm self. And don't forget the praise. So, go out there and watch some dogs. Dogs, watch yours. See if you can figure out what your dog is saying. And before you act, think about the message it's sending the dog. Okay, yeah, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the animal radio studio stunt dog, uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the animal radio studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. 
You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com. I'm Beth Stern on Animal Radio and Adopt from Your Local Shelter. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. In just a couple of minutes, we'll go back to the phones and answer your questions for Dr. Debbie and dog father Joey Villani. But first, we want to visit with Doc Halligan from the Lucy Pet Foundation and talk about JFK's new terminal. Now, this this blew me away because I knew that they were going to do a little terminal thing that was for animals. Little? I thought just a little thing, you know. Uh, right. M- maybe a million dollars. A little grass area for the dogs. hundred square right. feet. Ten by ten, yeah. Just really whatever. Hey, hey I want to go there. Yes. How and big is it? it? It's actually an entire terminal that was not being used. And the price tag is $54 million. Yeah, there's never been anything like it before. And uh, it's really quite amazing. What all do they have there? What what could they possibly well, so have what, that makes it so... What they have is they have um, everything for every kind of animal. I don't think people realize, but JFK and Los Angeles International are two of the probably most widely trafficked uh, airports as far as animals go. All kinds of animals. Aardvarks, horses, uh, chickens, you name it. And they come in and, you know, there's regulations. And these animals sometimes have to be uh, quarantined. Um, but it's cool. I mean, they even have like a bone-shaped swimming pool for your pets. They have like little rooms where they have air conditioning. They have TV for them. I mean, they have like a boarding thing. Yeah, huh? TV. They, the dogs and cats can watch TV. How long are they going to uh, be there? Well, it depends because um, there will be a charge for, for let's say you're traveling and, you know, you have a layover, your pet can stay there while you're, uh-huh. you have the layover. Uh-huh. Um, if you want to board it more, you can. When it launches, it will be state of the art. I mean, there's never, ever been anything like this before. And hopefully there'll be other places. My mother just traveled with her little service dog to San Francisco. Okay. Uh-huh. And she was stuck there for eight hours and poor oh, little pumpkin no. had to hold her bladder. There was no place? There's no place for her to take the dog. Wow. In San Francisco? Yeah, so see that. Hmm? You'd wow. think an airport like that would have some kind of. Uh... But they don't. A lot of them, they don't think about it. And more and more pets are traveling. I think that it's like upwards of 50% of people are traveling with their pets and not always safely. The statistics are every year, hundreds of dogs and cats are either lost or killed on the airlines, especially in the, like the cargo section. In the cargo section, uh huh. And I think what happens is they, you know, they throw the, the container, you know, the, the crate out and it busts open, I think. And then the animals run and they never see them again. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it can be very dangerous. And, you know, I did a, a interview and there were some people that were kind of, um, oh, criticizing the amount of money that's being spent on this. But, you know, animals really enrich our lives. Um, people who have pets live longer. Um, there's, you know, zoo animals that are, are being transported because we use um, the sperm and egg from other uh, zoo animals to help with other zoos to increase the gene pool. So there's a lot of cool stuff being done, and they deserve to travel safely like we do. Doc Halligan from the Lucy Pet Foundation telling us all about it. You can learn more over at lucypetfoundation.org. Hi, Angie. This is Dr. Debbie. Hi, doctor. Listen, I I have um, kind of a 
predicament. We had three little kittens uh, that were born in March, and okay. uh, they keep getting giardia, and they still have the runny poop, and uh, uh, I just don't know what to do for it. It's not on okay. Now, did you have the actual litter, or did you just get all the babies from a family? Well, well it was the mother, uh, feral cat, had the kittens in the barn, and, okay. uh, and we took the three kittens, and uh, there was four. One died real early. Anyway, uh, one was kind of sick and had to have IV for, uh, we ran blood tests and for kidneys and this and that and everything, but, he made, but she made it. But at mm-hmm. that time, she tested for Giardia, and we put her, doctor put her on Panicure. The uh, cats, the kit, the other kittens, uh, we tested them, and they all had the Giardia because they all had diarrhea. I'm going to jump oh, in put- and talk a little bit about Giardia because for, for those that might not be familiar with yeah, what, what is it that? is, it's a, a microscopic parasite. So it's not the typical worm that you can see with your naked eye. Right. It's only picked up by certain tests. And dogs and cats that get this will have diarrhea, sometimes some vomiting. They can get weight loss. Some pets can get really quite ill and debilitated. And we often see it more in, in younger pets or pets that are maybe, you know, a little immune compromised. But the reason we get very excited about it is because this is a parasite people can get. So when we're battling Giardia, there are some medicines that we will try, and you've mentioned two of them so far, Panicure, and the other is Metronidazole. Those are some of the routine ones. My preference is to definitely use, if we're dealing with a chronic problem, I will use both of those at the same time. Now, the trick is with Giardia, this is not an easy fix, (laughs) and it's really hard because this parasite is one sneaky little bugger. Um, They have the most resistant cyst form that it can live in the environment for months, long periods of time, and just kind of sit there. So a pet can get reinfected very easily, even though you've done an effective treatment strategy at one point in time. A couple things that I might suggest for you, if you haven't already tried that, One is to use regular bathing uh, scheduling for the kitties, and that helps to remove some of those cysts off the skin along the butt area so they don't re-ingest that. The other thing is to add in a probiotic, Um, and probiotics are the good bacteria that kind of compete for spots in the digestive tract and hopefully help to kind of kick out those uh, parasites so they don't establish as easily. Those would be things that I would definitely do as you're doing the therapy with those two other medications. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio. Featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts... 
Al Abrams, and Judy Francis. And we are just moments away from the incredible Dr. Pohl from Nat Geo Wild. He'll be joining us. Third or fourth appearance? At do least. Yes, we've had him on many, many times. He has a brand new book out. Is that correct? Yes, he does. And it, it's called... Yeah, what is that? Never Turn Your Back on an Angus Cow. On an Angus, Angus cow. Angus cow. I don't know if that's a play on words, if he means like an angry cow. Do cats, cows get angry? I have no idea. I we, don't know. We could ask. I don't see why they wouldn't get angry. Isn't an angry you cow? You know, I had an angry cow Did when you? I was in 4-H. Yeah, his... Um, my animal past is a lot different from my present animal's uh, standing. But yeah, when I was in 4-H and I showed a cow, his name was Hercules. I used to walk him around the backyard. He was... He was so stubborn. It was amazing. And then he would, my dad would go and push him on the rear end and finally get him to go. And then he would take off. And I was just kind of like dangling on this rope behind him, flying in the wind. It's crazy. Now, yeah, they get angry. You were raised in sort of a uh, rural area, weren't you? I mean, you had farm animals, didn't you? Yeah, lots of them. See, yeah. I never had that, never had that opportunity. <laughs> no, me neither. And I'm yard sitting. I'm actually chicken sitting right now for a neighbor. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever had really been around chickens. chickens. They're very smart. Really? Though. Yes, I know. They're fun. You know, there's a there's a great website I love online, um, or maybe it's a Facebook. I think it's a Facebook page. Um, it is, and it's uh, the Chicken Chick. The Chicken and Chick. Oh, the Chicken Chick. And she has she takes the best pictures of chickens. There was a day that uh, I couldn't go just you know a couple hours without checking her website because she makes chickens look so pretty. It's amazing. I'm falling in love with these chickens. I've never <laughs> never knew they were so smart. So in a pretty soon we're going to have Animal Radio Studio chickens. Well, we have eggs now in the uh, the Animal Radio refrigerator. Yeah, so real fresh. Can we to try those out? Uh, anyway, this hour, Dr. Pohl will be joining us. What a tangent there. What are you working on, Lori, in the newsroom? Um, you know that saying, adopt, don't shop. It's all about rescuing, not buying a puppy. Yeah. Well, these days um, with animals, we're talking about pet stores being forced to comply with new laws that are outrageous. They're going to make them do some crazy things, um, probably scary things that will put them out of business, too, just so that their ways of uh, breeding puppies in that industry will be exposed. And we'll kind of explain everything and fill you in on it, but it's pretty interesting. I hate puppy mills. Okay, more about that coming up in just a couple of minutes with Lori Brooks here on Animal Radio. Let's go to the phones for your calls. And any, any, any more. That one? That one. Is it? Is it Fabby? Yes. Hi, Fabby. Fab, fa, like as in Fabby, fabulous. <laughs> Actually, Fabiola. Yeah, Fabby for short. Fabiola, how pretty. Ooh, I love it. How Very can we pretty, help you? Yeah. Oh, well, hi. Well, I'm calling from Utah, and the reason I'm calling is um, I'm uh, blind, and I am going to be uh, uh, receiving a training with a guide dog, uh, a poodle, standard poodle guide dog, because I am allergic to the other breeds. Okay. Um, however, I was getting ready to leave for training last week uh, to fly to California to start training with my, do- my new dog, and the guide dog school called me a day before to tell me that my dog had gotten bloat. Oh, was, dear. And, yeah, I was in the hospital, and so I had to cancel my flight, of course, and postpone the training. Uh, at this point, uh, they pretty much kept me um, informed as far as how the dog was doing. Uh, they told me that uh, while the, do- while the uh, dog was at the uh, vet's office, that the doctor was trying to avoid doing surgery. Um, and uh, later, I, I've been talking to people and uh, reading a little bit on the internet about bloat. And what I found out, and I kind of wanted to ask you, doctor, 
um, I found out that uh, if if the dog has surgery, there is um, actually a chance that the dog might not have uh, the bloat again, another episode of bloat. Uh, right now, this dog has not had had surgery. Uh, it okay. is right now recovering, and they asked me to wait a few more days to see how the dog does, and then they'll decide if he'll be able to train with me or not. But my concern okay. is, will, will I, I mean, is it smart for me to accept this dog knowing that he had this condition, he had this episode once, and he might have it again? And okay. what are the, you know, so I, I'm not sure how to ask sure. you this, but does, does a dog that haven't had, if, if he hasn't had uh, the surgery, is there a, a bigger chance that he will have another episode of bloat? Okay. What's bloat? A, can you tell me what bloat is? I knew Hal was going to do that. Gosh, he just likes to jump in when he can. <laughs> but no, it's a good question. Um, bloat basically is a, is a common problem that can happen in, pref- in most commonly in large breed dogs. And basically what happens is the stomach gets very big, kind of gas filled, and it can actually twist and it twists on its own axis. So basically it traps the gas and the food mm. inside the stomach. It can't go out either which way. Now that's that's bloat. That's called what we call gastric torsion. So sometimes a pet's stomach can get big and bloated, but it doesn't necessarily flip and turn. When it flips and turn, that is a life-threatening emergency, and most of those pets need immediate surgery. The quicker, the better. What I'm not quite clear with your situation is, it sounds like yes, the stomach bloated, but Fabi, did they say if it twisted or not? Uh, no, they didn't tell me. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that could cause a stomach to bloat. A dog that eats really fast, that, you know, pants a lot and then drinks a whole bunch of water. There's a lot of things that will cause that to happen. I would be, I share your concern in that you're, you're about to make a very serious commitment with this dog. And right. if... And, and I think only that veterinarian can probably truly advise you as far as what the risks for this dog are. But okay. if a dog has a tendency for their stomach to, to, to bloat up, I would prefer to have surgery. And more of a preventative gastropexy would be the way to go. So, yeah, if you're okay. reading about some of the prevention and the ways we can try to help this from not happening in the future, that is by far one of the things that we can do to, to intervene and, and hopefully prevent that from happening. Um, so I would probably advocate that if this pet was truly having a, a bloat or a near bloat situation there. Um, right. And then there's, you know, some things you can do in the, in the home environment to help decrease bloating. Because once this happened and a dog gets bloat and that stomach twists, it's basically a horrible shock-like condition. And pets will go downhill very quickly. And yes. even those pets that have bloat, that have surgery promptly, they don't always make it. So it is a very critical thing, and, and, and you have okay. good right there to be concerned about this. So um, I would look into that um, a bit more right. as far as w- what their recommendation. Now, if you, if you do get the dog and everything is deemed okay, um, I do recommend um, making sure you're feeding frequent meals throughout the day um we actually ad advocate giving canned food into the diet and they found that dogs that eat some degree of canned food have a lower rate of bloat so there's a lot of different factors that we look at and they used to say that raising the food up on like the elevated food platforms is helpful but now we know that actually can lead to bloat so um, does activity lead to it like running around the yard you know what they used to say that it did if they ate or drank a lot and 
then ran around and were goofy and played a lot. Mm. But actually, some of the um, the research where they've gone back and looked at cases, they haven't been able to really prove that. Now, I, I come from my grandmother's household where you know after you just, after you ate, you didn't go swimming. So um, I think that's still a good sense um, uh, thing to advise. But uh, it just isn't uh, all we need to do to help prevent this. Now the surgery when they do the surgery, that's actually they they attach the stomach to like the lining of the wall of the of the body or something so that it can never flip again yeah and if a pet is actually is suffering from the bloat at that time and they need that emergency surgery basically they we reposition the stomach into the normal place and we tack the stomach um, with uh, suturing techniques to the side of the body wall now a lot of dogs in these emergencies they also have problems where their parts of their stomach have to be removed or their spleen so it's a pretty critical thing if you're in that spot yeah. but for pets that we want to do more of the preventative uh, tacking or what they call the pexy that can be done when a dog is spayed or neutered um, it can be done at any time but that's an ideal time for uh, breeds that are at risk what, and what are those breeds I knew you were going to say that. Of course. Uh, we, would, we would say Weimaraners, Great Danes, and St. Bernard's are probably the biggest ones. But really, any large breed with a deep, kind of that deep chest, they are definitely at risk for a bloat. Okay. Now, what about the, the stress factor? Because uh, this happened while the trainers were working with my with a dog uh, mm-hmm. in the Los Angeles area. There was a lot of people. They were in the subway. Uh, the dog just started... Uh, acting strange, and that's when they noticed something was wrong. And the fact that you know, if I train with him, there will be a certain amount of stress. Just sure. the fact mm-hmm. that he'll be working for me um, and sort of responsible for my, you know, for guiding me. Um, does stress play any factors in in this condition? Yeah, definitely can. And and we definitely know that dogs that are at greater risk for developing the bloat are those that are a little bit more hyper, they're more anxious, um, or even dogs that have an aggressive tendency. Any of those behavior characteristics, um, bloating is actually more prevalent than, say, a real passive, quiet, laid-back kind of mellow dog. Um, so, yeah, that can play a role. So, um, you know, and I don't know if in his situation that was just an isolated, uh, stressful situation or how he performs in other areas, but that's a yeah. very good question that I would have you ask them. Fabi, let us know how it works out, will you? I sure will. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Doctor. You're welcome. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by those fine folks over at Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. They're also grateful for their all natural, long lasting dog chews. Now, diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hi, this is Paul Rogers and Cynthia Rogers on Animal Radio. Just know that it's going to be all right, meow. <laughs> if you're trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. 
I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1584. 877-247-1584. 877-247-1584. It's Animal Radio. We are so lucky to be able to take our animals to work with us. Hopefully you work at a job where you can take your animals. I, I know that an office place with animals is usually more productive. Everyone's more calm and everyone gets along better, as we do here. As we do here. Well, that's what the <laughs> research <have>. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you bring in Dolly, and Dolly uh, is snoring over there in the, she, in the corner. She does. She's a, does she oh, snore? I about? shouldn't have said her name. She's waking oh, she's up waking now. Up. What? She's yeah. a big snorer, yeah. <laughs> she is. She's a bulldog, though. She needs, she's a bulldog who needs a bath. Uh-oh. Stinky, huh? Oh, wait. She's crawling across the course. What a good girl. Good girl, honey. Hey, Lois. Hi. How are you today? Good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I have Dr. I just found Do- you. Huh? You just found us? Yeah. Where have you been? I missed you. I was going, where is <laughs> Lois? So what do you have going on, Lois? Okay. I have two Maltese. One, I was, someone gave her to me. said, please take my baby. I just can't, you know, handle her. Well, I took her, and she has this problem where she licks her feet. She licks and she licks. She wakes me up at night. She licks. She's got my other Maltese licking. I've been to the vet. They gave her, they told me to get Benadryl. That worked okay. when it rose off. Then, of course, you know, it's back again. Then uh, I went back to the vet, and they gave her some steroids, which I didn't like, but we tried it. Didn't have any, any you know. I bought some expensive tubes that stuff this post to make her not lick, and she licks. You can hold her and love on her, and as you're doing it, she licks. Oh. So you said the other dog is now doing this behavior as well? The other dog is now doing it, yes, ma'am. And that's the one I had since two, four months old. And on the foot area, do you see any areas where there's lost hair or there's sores or red spots? No, but I did go to the groomers. They used to go once a month. And they had that real long hair to the floor, but I had groomer cut it all off. They gave her, uh, they gave both of them a, a poodle puppy feet cut. But, you okay, know, sure. There was no, you know, shape. They're all shaved off except for their ears and their tail. And okay. they just licked. So my friend says, well, just follow them out. Just poke them a little, like a mother dog would, and go, eh. So I did oh. that. <laughs> and it worked, but I'm not always there to do that. And well, sure, you got to sleep at night, started. right, Lois? <laughs> Oh, geez. Well, you know, the, the number one thing that causes dogs to lick their feet is allergies, the whole category of allergies in some form, whether they're inhalant allergies or food-related allergies. And if we saw some improvement with Benadryl, you know, maybe it's, you know, an allergy kind of playing role. But uh, you said the prednisone, the steroid, nothing happen, happened with that and nothing got better? Yes, yes, uh, the, like, the, the Benadryl slowed it down so as it wore off. They started licking, and I don't want to keep them 
you know, doped mm-hmm. up. Yeah, and you know, if a, a pet isn't responding with an itching or a licking behavior when we're giving a steroid, to me it says, eh, let's stop our direction because, you know, generally that works pretty nicely for most types of allergies. It doesn't work super for food-related allergies. So my number one thing I'd say is in that category is, you know, I'd get these kids on a hypoallergenic diet, something that's um, prescribed by your veterinarian pref- preferably so they can guide you through those steps and find something, stick with that for about four to six weeks and see if the foot licking um, decreases. If not, we may try another diet. But that's one thing that um, we can try from the source and try um, more uh, directly to control some of this itching. The other things to think about, when I have a dog that's itching and licking and I have multiple dogs in the house all doing the same behavior, I got to think about something infectious. And you know, not to scare you or freak you out, but there are some types of infections that um, dogs can have that can mimic normal things like allergies that we kind of blame for just about every skin condition out there. Um, and it's natural. We just want to, you know, kind of say, oh, he's just got allergies. That's why he licks that hole in his side or chews his feet or always has sores on his belly. That That's a common thing. But we can see microscopic parasites or mites that can be present in sometimes just select areas of a pet's body. It doesn't always have to be generalized like fleas or ticks. The other thing is we can run into fungal infections, kind of like ringworm. And the foot area is not uncommon to either mites or fungal infections. So that for me would be, you know, I I love CSI. I love kind of getting to the nitty-gritty of finding out why these things happen and not just trying to throw medicine at animals that we don't really need to. So my recommendation would be have your vet take a couple samples, have them check for mites, have them check for a ringworm by a test method. Try to rule that out as a possibility. But many pets, I will actually go on forward. If we've got multiple doggies in the house, I'll treat them for mites for a couple months and see if we're seeing any improvement in that foot licking and chewing because honestly I can't tell you how many pets that I've seen come in year after year oh I need medicine for the allergies and then one time I finally get my samples and I finally get to do some tests and I say wow how do you feel about your dog having mites in their feet or in their back all this time and we've been using the wrong approach so so definitely I'd say you know that would be one important step for you there and uh, you know there are some doggies that Foot licking, it can be a behavioral uh, problem, so almost like an OCD issue. Before I blame that as a possible thing for your babies, um, you know, I'd want to make sure we check out these medical things and and see if we can try some other remedies. Because yeah, there, there's a lot more we can do for your babies there. Um, so and little Maltesers, I bet their little feet are probably kind of stained red or even brown if they're licking them a lot, yeah. huh? Yeah, it's a rusty looking. Yeah, but, you know, these white dogs, typically, this brown staining, it almost looks like rust on their fur. It's from a pigment that is found in dog's saliva and in their tears. So it's not blood necessarily, things like that. But, yeah, that very kind of red-brown staining is just a sign. It's a veterinary sign. We look around. If I see that, I usually can tell, ah, your baby's been licking, huh? (laughs) So, And and she also, if you go to pet her, she'll lick your hand as she's coming to you. You'll try to pet her, and she licks you the whole tree. That tongue just never stops. Oh, okay, yeah. She, so she might have a little bit of some uh, doggy OCD there for that explanation. So, oh gosh, there's so many things we can try for your baby. And I think that might be the, the key here is we, we need to kind of start some other remedies, do a little diagnostic test, and make sure we head down the right path here. Because, um, yeah, the, we could have a lot of different options here for your baby and what might be the right answer. So I hope that's not too much info to throw at you there, Lois, but we can do some things. 
Attention sports fans, now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow if you call now. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you gotta call All-American Dish right now. 800-380-4452 That's 800-380-4452 Hi, this is Elaine Boozler on Animal Radio. Stay and to your pets and some of your exes. <laughs> <laughs> this is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Pet stores that sell puppy mill dogs and other pets that profit from them through poor breeding and kennel conditions are being put out of business as the industry and its cruel ways is being exposed. However, there is a new kind of pet store that is popping up as these new pet stores have to adhere to new laws and regulations. For example, in Illinois, some cities there have enacted laws where pet store owners must now include with their disclosure to prospective customers, actual pictures of the pet that they have for sale, actual pictures of that pet's mother, as well as the facility where the pet was born and raised, and the number of animals that are kept by that kennel on average. All of this helps to expose that industry. Penalties for violations of that ordinance in some cities can be up to $1,000 for the first offense. Zoo officials in Ohio say they're going to go ahead and press charges against the man who jumped a fence as he pet cougars at the zoo and then posted a video of his stunt on YouTube that shows two cougars being petted through a fence as this man, 35 years old, says things like, hello, kitty, 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 not too swift. The Columbus Zoo and Aquarium says the guy's been charged with a misdemeanor count of trespassing. Dr. Seuss may have died back in 1991, but thanks so much to an assistant of his who just a few years ago found a previously unpublished book he wrote. That book has now been released. It's called What Pet Should I Get? And in such demand it is that a whopping one million hardcover copies were printed for this first edition, which was just released. The book is believed to have been written between uh, somewhere between 1958 and 1962. And back then, you know, we spoke about pets and animals differently. So they say Dr. Seuss's script had to be tweaked a little bit in order to encourage people to adopt rather than to buy pets. I'm Lori Brooks. Be sure to get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, I'm Ed Asher, you're on Animal Radio. Spay or neuter your animals, you dummies. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. 
And we'll go back to those wacky phones in just a couple of seconds. But first, we want to visit with the incredible Dr. Paul. We welcome him back to Animal Radio Airwaves for his either third or fourth appearance. Don't really keep track of that. I'd have to go online to find that out. Doctor, <laughs> welcome. Thank you. How are you doing today? Uh, here in Michigan, it's, we have a heat wave, so it's hot. But I'm right back. I just got back in the clinic just in time for the interview, and it's uh, nice inside. So thank you. I'm fine. <laughs> What's a heat wave in Michigan? What temperature is that? 90. Oh, well, that is actually yeah, pretty that's, hot. That's warm. Yeah, it is. Well, now, since we last spoke, you have just become a marketing guru. You have a book out. You have an app out. You have a comic book out. All these wonderful things that accompany your Nat Geo Wild show. But the book I'm very curious about, Never Turn Your Back on an Angus Cow. Tell us about it. That's correct. They'll it, get you. They'll get you. <laughs> uh, t- yeah. Did you have an, an experience like that with an Angus cow? Oh, yes. Would be the first time. You know, this is what I tell people. You turn your back on an animal, they will attack you. But an Angus cow, and especially an Angus cow that has a calf, uh, you have to watch what she's doing and be close to the gate. Otherwise, uh, she will take care of you in no time flat. Ah. So you, she's... In fact, uh, <laughs> just uh, when the book came out, I got a call from a farmer. He says, Doc, he says, you're right. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, these are mostly farm animals that will kick you when they're, when they're not looking. But, you know, you're also, you're, you're prodding at them and you're, you're kind of invading their privacy. They... That's exactly <laughs> right. You get into this personal space. <laughs> what, what do you like better, the big animals or the small animals in your practice? Well, what are... because I was born and raised on the dairy farm, I do like the, the bovine, equine part of it. But I do like the small animals because it allows us to do so much more. Yeah, like what? Surgeries, oh, yeah. diagnosis, uh, the small animals, they have a lot more diseases. Uh, a horse, yeah, it can be a pet, but we have a lot of Amish here. And for them, a horse is a tool. Sure. And for the, for the farmers, a cow is a source of income. Ah. And when you cannot bring that cow back to production in one way or the other, then you have to think about is it worth doing it or is it not? You know, then you have to think about what the farmer is going to spend on the animal and they decide, well, yes, we're going to do it or no, we're not. Yeah. 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 If it costs more money to fix it than the animal can bring in, they're not going to do it. Yeah. That's exactly right. So uh, I heard you threw out the uh, first pitch at a Michigan baseball game, huh? Yes. How'd that go? I, I did that once, and I really messed it up. I hope you did much better. <laughs> yeah, how didn't reach the plate? Uh, I didn't get it across the plate, but it didn't bounce before the catcher caught it. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, we were figuring you probably have more muscles than I have. Uh, not much more. <laughs> oh. But uh, see, in the Netherlands, we didn't play baseball. Uh, it was soccer all the time, and that was uh, a lot better. You know, So, yes, maybe I could have kicked the ball over home plate better than I threw it. <laughs> Speaking of which, what do you do in your spare time? Are you always just vetting? No. Uh, if I have a day off or anything, you know, we still uh, are doing landscaping around the, the house, and I like to do it myself because my wife exactly knows what she wants and how she wants it, so I do exactly what she says. Oh. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Smart <laughs> and, man. Uh, but, yes, I like to work outside. I, work, I like to work uh, you know, the landscaping. I like to work with my hands in the shop making things. Uh, something that I like to do that doesn't take too much brains. Well, now you have a DeLorean, don't you? Do you have to fix that, yes, work on that? Do you have to work on that ever? 
I don't work on cars much of the time. You know, I, that is that is too too hard for me. I understand an engine, but uh, when you turn the key and nothing happens, I can change the batteries. But if there's more prone, then uh, I'd like to have somebody that knows better and more than I do. Hey, it sounds like you know more than I do already. With, <laughs> yeah, I could have done the battery thing. Yeah. yeah. So you, you got the app. What's the app about? What's on the app? The app is uh, that goes to a uh, little game, the way it sounds, and I just played it one time. I'm not so much of computer games, but it's, it's very cute and funny, the way it looks, and uh, it seems like the kids really like it. How does it make you feel to see your, your uh, picture in a comic book on an app like that? It's, it's amazing. I never thought anything like this would happen. You know, when Charles came here six years ago and said, we should make a reality show about you, he says, yeah, who wants to watch me? <laughs> well, we can all make mistakes sometimes. <laughs> you know, your son, every time I tune into your show, Dr. Pohl, your son is creating some kind of havoc, getting into an accident, the house is falling apart, you guys are on vacation living <laughs> gloriously. <laughs> uh, not all is that... the time. Oh, yes, it don't is, forget, but I'm wondering... get it between 120 and 240 hours of taping. Oh. And they oh use 40 gosh. minutes per week. So they're, they're with you all the time taping. Yes. Yes, they are. Is that your son's life, Dr. Paul? Does he just have yes. this, like, black yes. cloud over he's, him? He's, yeah, he's part of the producer of the show. Ah. Oh. I didn't know that. Yes. It's a family biz. Uh, at, the, at the end, at the, at the, the lettering, then his name is in there. Um, he, he is the one that started it like six years ago when he came here and said, you know, we should make a reality show about you. And I thought, why? But uh, now I know why. <laughs> now you know why. Life's changed yeah. a bit for you. The incredible Dr. Pohl. Thanks so much for coming on the show again. Well, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate that very much. Take care now. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you, Dr. Pohl. Bye-bye. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Hi, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. Are you thinking of getting a dog? Well, here's some things to think about before you do it. Firstly, are you out of the house a lot? Do you work all the time? Give the idea of getting a dog some thought if you're in that situation. I mean, put yourself in the dog's shoes. Imagine being locked up all alone all day with, well, nobody to play with. There are some dogs that like to lay around a lot and they're less active, but most dogs need exercise. They need playtime and interaction. Sometimes folks don't think about it, but dogs are living things and you can't turn them on and off when you want to like your TV. When you get one, you're making a major commitment to spend, oh, I don't know, the next 13 to 16 years of your life committed to a living thing, making sure it has a good life. I bring this up because a lot of folks go out and get dogs without actually knowing what they're in for and again education is your most powerful tool you should read up ask yourself why you want a dog and make a list of all the reasons then look your list over closely and if you still think you want a dog because you'd be a great dog parent and enjoy satisfying your dog's needs decide whether or not you want a puppy or an adult dog puppies have lots of needs they need exercise they need to be around lots of people and lots of other dogs they're learning about the world and it's up to you to show it to them plus you gotta potty train them teach them what not to chew on in fact you gotta teach them all the rules and ropes. Adult dogs usually are a lot less work and a lot more mellow too. In fact, it's possible to get a rescue dog or an adult dog that requires very little. Maybe just a good long walk every day and some affection. The one thing you don't want to do is bring a dog home and be in for lots of surprises, not know what to expect. You know, stuff like finding your favorite shoes chewed up or the drapes pulled down, carpet pulled up, door chewed up. (laughs) I've seen it all. You would not believe the destruction that a dog can do to your house. So before you get a dog, 
Think long and hard, make a list, and do a lot of research and reading so that you both can be happy. I'll tell you this much, there's nothing more rewarding than having a dog. They're incredibly loyal. They're always happy to see you. They never lie to you, and they give you unconditional love. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800 800- 380-4452 800-380-4452 That's 800-380-4452 Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Animal Radio And welcome to the show, Mark. How you doing? Hey, really good today. How about you, brother? I'm doing okay. Sounds like you're <laughs> in the bathroom there. How can we help you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of bathroom, that is my question. I have, uh, well, a few dogs. Yes. A little while ago, one of them kind of ended up, uh, you know, with the with the squirts a little bit here. Oh. And so I was talking to somebody, and they said, "Oh, just uh, just mix some canned pumpkin in with their." with the regular food. And I'm thinking, uh, what I'm trying to avoid is what looks like canned pumpkin on my carpeting. And, <laughs> and I thought, how is this going to work? And surprisingly, so I did. I, I you know, mixed a tablespoon in, and it did work. It so I'm just curious why this works, and, and can I use too much of it? Uh, do I have to give them more water now, or, or what's happening? Ah, oh, good, good questions all the way around. You know, canned pumpkin has some great benefits. The interesting thing with it is veterinarians will often talk about using it sometimes when there's diarrhea and sometimes yeah. when a pet has constipation. So it's kind of interesting. And there, for some pets, can be a kind of a fine line that they walk as far as giving too much. Yeah, you can easily cause a orange diarrhea <laughs> if you okay. over supplement it. But yeah, the, uh, pumpkin is a mix of insoluble as well as soluble fibers. Um, so some of those help with the bulk forming aspect of uh, helping with diarrhea. And that's generally where the benefit when we see uh, small amounts, generally a tablespoon, a couple teaspoons, that's where that can be helpful for pets with that occasional diarrhea. Um, but yeah, I've had people where they give too much of it and then you do have the green, um, you know, finger painting squirts all over the, or I'm sorry, the orange finger painting, uh, squirts all over the house. So you, you do have to kind of be watchful for that. And, and really for pets that I would use the canned pumpkin trick are really that, that once in a blue moon, oops, we've got some diarrhea. Maybe I fed too much table food. Maybe got into something in the yard. Not for true, genuine concerns with uh, a sick pet. In no case would I ever give a pet that's vomiting, depressed, having real general systemic illness. I would never treat them at home with pumpkin because you're going to put off uh, a problem that needs to be dealt with right away. Um, but, yeah, it oh, can be a real okay. wonderful thing. Okay. And then, uh, I mean, can it be done for too long? I mean, is it, is it like just do this for a week or, or, or until uh, the signs stop showing of the, the diarrhea? Yeah, for, for the purposes of diarrhea, I would generally only treat for a day or a couple of days. Um, and if really you're not getting the resolution you need, then, you know, you need to pick up that phone and jingle to the vet. Um, but there are some people that on a low level will supplement canned pumpkin into the diet on a regular basis. And you just got to be watchful because, you know, it's a calorie source. Uh, 
So um, you don't want to take away the good, solid nutrients that are in the dog's food. And anytime we supplement or give treats, it should always be less than 10% of the total calories for the pet. So we just kind of kind of keep that in the picture and not overdo it um, in, in that way. Now, and the thing I want to mention is we're talking canned pumpkin. This is not pumpkin pie mix. Oh, yeah. Not the filling, not the stuff with nutmeg and cinnamon. This is truly just the canned pumpkin. Um, so very different to make sure we don't have a bunch of animals. They don't need all that cinnamon and nutmeg and all those other things. <laughs> well, well, thank you for mentioning that because I know this is not a cooking show, but that was going to be my other question because I'm just a guy and I'm dumb and I'm standing there looking at all these cans and some of them have sugar and all these other things. I thought, well, this, this probably isn't good. So right, it's 100% pure pumpkin. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And trust me, you don't want cooking tips from me because that would be limited to takeout and uh, going out to dinner. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thanks very, for your call, much. Mark. Mark, traveling the country with uh, what? You have six or seven dogs with you? Six, six dogs. Six dogs. Wow. I couldn't imagine doing that all in an RV. And the oldest one is 18? 18 years old? Yes, wow. he's almost 18, and in fact, you know, they're they're starting, they, they're writing their own book now. I can't believe that they're doing this. I, I really? caught them at it. That's wow. good. That's good. That's, uh, <laughs> that's encouraging. Keep us posted on that. Which one are we going to? Uh, all five are lit up here. We're going to line three with Mike. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. I have Dr. Debbie right here for you. Hi, how are you doing today? Good. Great. Yeah, we, we had a little incident a couple weeks ago where our dog, medium-sized dog, uh, decided that a rawhide chew bone was something that you devour and not chew on. Oh, and yeah. and when I looked over, I could tell the dog was choking because it was thrashing its head around. Okay. So I, you know, I mean, I know how to do, you know, CPR on a dog from the sides of the chest, but I was like dumbfounded. And I know the Heimlich for humans, but I was dumbfounded how you would do it on a dog. So I had to just dive down and stick my hand down her throat as far as I can get it and Luckily, I was able to grab it and pull it out. Yeah. But Um, life would have been much simpler with a Heimlich technique. Yeah, but you know what? That comes into play when we have an airway obstruction lower than the mouth. So if that was in the mouth or in the upper airway, and you can reach that and access that with your hands safely without losing your fingertips, um, then that's really kind of the first step. If that doesn't work, then we move to the Heimlich. And, uh, you know, in dogs, there's a lot of different techniques. You can do basically a modified human Heimlich. Um, so if you have a small to medium-sized dog, you're basically um, going to reach up under the rib cage and kind of give three to five quick motions um, thrust into the abdomen like you would for a person. Now, if it's a bigger dog and you're a big person, you can still do the same thing. Although for some large dogs, it can be a little hard to kind of handle and apply those compressions. So you can uh, basically lie them on the ground and apply lateral compression to the chest and near the back end of the chest. And that can give you enough force because dogs are a little different than people. Um, We compress from the sternum when we're doing, you know, chest compressions and CPR, you press down into the chest. And in a dog, their chest doesn't really squish that way really effectively. So from the side, you can get some really good um, compressions. Okay, well, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Well, it seems like we just started, but it's all over now. You can get your fix all week long over at AnimalRadio.com, and I encourage you to download the free Animal Radio app now. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network.